0: Thank you. Thank you again. Couldn't you just almost hear the words and want to sing along? So, good morning. We want to welcome all of you here. It's so great that you have joined us, either in person here or maybe on YouTube later on the week. But we, want, we hope that you are blessed, that as we worship and praise His name this morning, Today, Pastor Dean is teaching on the New Testament, or on the New Covenant, sorry. In the last month, I have been to three celebrations of life, or celebrations of God's story in the life of three gentlemen, 143, 153, and 162 years old. In the testimony of their lives, it was clear they believed in the New Covenant. They understood the work God had done in their lives. So as a call to worship, I'd like to read Psalm 66, verses one to five. And it starts off with the header, praise to God for his awesome works. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. Father, thank you for this opportunity to praise and worship together, for the opportunity to grow as disciples. We ask for wisdom and discernment as we go about your work this week. Help us, Lord, to shout for joy, sing of your glory. We acknowledge your deeds are awesome. We believe that your power is greater than our enemies. We are humbled we get to see your awesome deeds. For the work you do and the people around us, give us the courage to speak of your grace, love, and mercy. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.
1: Good morning. The first song we want to sing is number 89 in your hymn book The Lord is King of Praise's Name. 358, 358, take my life and let it be. Next songs in your bulletin called There is a Redeemer. Please stand for this one.
0: Thank you, Helen, for leading us. Let's take our bulletins and uh, look at some of the things that are happening in the coming week. There's one correction on Tuesday. It, talks, it says church council meeting. That's actually next week, Tuesday the 25th. Um, take a note of some of the Sunday schools that are happening. Uh, let's for sure pray for them and um, some of the Bible studies and prayer times that are happening this week. Take part in them as you're able. Our missionaries of the week are Preston Meyer Wheeler and also the Bunker Youth Ministry. Let's pray for the leaders and students. And they've got a, I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got a slot car ministry where there's little race cars and they've got a light, the lights go red, yellow, green, and they take off down the line and these kids are having a blast. But the leaders also speak to them about what's important. So pray for that ministry. Um, We've got a spring hymn sing service uh, for those of you that are able to. Uh, participate. It's on April 30th at three o'clock. We uh, have some people in various hospitals in Swan Lake Hospital. Mary Dewick, John Suderman for Red River in Red River Valley Lodge and Morris. There's Rita Friesen. So we remember them. And we have one expression of sympathy: Elma Nickel passed away, the mother to Janet and Harold Pauls and the funeral was yesterday, so let's remember Janet and Harold and family as we hold them up. May they have the peace that passes all understanding during this time. We um, have uh, a nomination for Personnel Committee, Wendy weep, and um, on Sunday, April 30th, after the service, we will um, have an affirmation time. Mark and Katie Elias are having a special uh, evening here on April the 28th, a fundraiser for their ministry, and uh, they also need some help. There's sign-up sheets in the foyer over there, and um, you can read a little more about this down in the, in the bottom of the page to explain a little bit more about what they're doing, but they're principally giving out Bibles, or sending Bibles to chaplains who give them out to prisoners. Did I catch that right, Mark? A comic book Bible. Bible. And that's important because the prisoners will read them. And there's lots of pictures and that kind of thing. So it's been written specifically and they are asking for them. Okay, so participate in that if you're able. And then the other announcement here that I want to highlight. Uh, there's an insert in your bulletin for to help with the pregnancy care uh, fundraiser. And then we also have a special announcement about a meeting with the, regarding Mennonite Collegiate Institute, MCI. Um, they want uh, to talk together about how do we um, maybe reshape and rework MCI again to um, the, it reads here, the meeting could be an opportunity to set a new course for the MCI, to restore its biblical vision, to see young lives place faith in Jesus Christ, and to provide a Christian education. We don't have very many of those kinds of schools. So let's take part in that and see how we can help and encourage you know, that kind of education to happen. Let's take um, a moment and hold up these various items in prayer. Father, we, we thank you this morning, first of all, for this opportunity that we have to meet, to meet here uh, on Sunday, uh, We unencumbered. And uh, Father, that we can praise and worship you. Uh, and Father, I um, just hold, want to hold up the Sunday schools, that are happening, the men's Sunday school, the ladies' Sunday school, the children's Sunday school, and the special Sunday school class as well. Give um, wisdom and discernment and time to the leaders as they prepare and as they they teach those that are are there. Father, as we uh, go about the business of the church, be with the council meeting next Tuesday. And Father, also as we, Spend time in prayer it will end in study and in discovery. Father, walk with those that are leading this and those that are participating. Father, we have um, uh, Preston and Myra who are have been in ministry for many, many years. Um, Preston, who is part of Leader Impact Group that is, serves all over the world gathering and encouraging leaders to be spiritual leaders in the countries that they're in, and um, you know we have our own uh, group groups here in Canada. And Father, I just ask that you give Preston the wisdom to lead. You know these these various groups all over the world, and that they will focus on you, and they will focus on bringing other leaders uh, and encouraging other leaders to stand up for you. Father, I also want to hold up the Bunker Youth Ministry and its various things and pieces that it does with our youth in this community. And um, for this morning, we want to hold up the Slot Car Ministry, which I know that um, we have had um, someone in our congregation who's been a very big part of that over the years. Bless it and um, help it to Give a moment to be able to talk about things that matter in these young people's lives. Father, our Singh, bless it. And Father, as we, as we have people that are in health facilities, give wisdom to the physicians, to the nurses, to the care attendants, and uh, give them energy. We know that that there's more work than they can do. And Father, just hold up Mary Duick, John Suderman, and Rita Friesen, and give them the peace that that only you can give as they go through life and maybe in a new way. Father, we pray for um, the Alma-Nickel family, for in particular for Janet and Harold, as they work through um, the passing of irma or elma and father um, just give them peace and wisdom as they go from here father we hold up the mci we know that it's had a very significant past uh, um, influence in in our schools and our education it has uh, there's many graduates that have gone on to do many, many things in service for you. And, Father, we just want to spend some time together to see and discern that whether we can do that once more. There's, the need is greater than it's ever been. So, Father, give wisdom to those that are leading this. Father, as we give back some of that which you have entrusted to us, Bless it and multiply it. I pray all of this in your name. Amen. God's ushers to come forward. How can you refuse them now? How can you refuse them now? How can?
2: You
3: reading today is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. title of the piece is uh, The Glory of the New Covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was... Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has now no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while their radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, When Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit.
1: Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. When Cheryl and I were first married, we contemplated installing a wood stove in our home for two reasons. First, to save money on natural gas, and second, because we would enjoy the heat from that wood stove. It was great when we were at other people's place that we experienced. I asked an older gentleman who was in his mid-60s at the time, now he's in his mid-90s, and I asked him the, the, the question, what he thought of wood stoves or burning wood. He said this, he says, why would you want to do that? I grew up with that because we didn't have any natural gas. It wasn't around at that time. You would have to cut the wood and carry it into the house. Often it leaves a trail of dirt. You'd have to monitor the fire constantly and it is time consuming. So when natural gas came with the automatic furnace, I was so happy that I would never have to do that ever again. The new way is far superior than the old way. Thus, Cheryl and I never did install a wood furnace, a wood stove. Similarly, when God made the Mosaic Covenant with the children of Israel, it served its purpose, but it never fulfilled what Christ would accomplish when he came. It never fulfilled that only when Christ came, it made all the difference in the world. The book of Hebrews, chapter 8. The author quotes Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, in God giving a promise to the new covenant, of a new covenant to the people, to the children of Israel, which would reflect on all people at all times in the future. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. I'll give you a moment um, for you to look that portion of scripture up. It's an interesting portion of scripture because it describes what the new covenant is all about. And it compares it with the old covenant. And I'm so glad that God brought the new covenant in. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 through 12. The author says this, For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, and now this is where the author quotes Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 and forward. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like a covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from there, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel After that time, declares the Lord, I will put laws in their mind and write them on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete in aging will soon disappear. As we continue our series in Growing Deeper in the Lord, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me once again to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses seven through 14. That's the portion of Scripture that Ray has just read, or he just read, and we will be, want to be reflecting upon that portion of Scripture this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. I don't think we as believers fully appreciate Uh, fully appreciate what Christ did when he came and gave his life on the cross. One of the reasons is that we never lived under the old covenant. We never understood what it was like. You had to obey it. You had to keep it. You broke some of those laws, it meant your death here and now. And when Christ came, it changed everything, everything. There was a new covenant We've never known what it was like to go and sacrifice animals for our sins and go through all the rituals that the children of Israel had to do. And we can be so thankful that we don't have to do that. It's like you've heard me talk about the museum in Steinbach. You've all been there. Can you imagine? I want you to think for a moment of having to live in a sod house, in that little cubicle. You walk down, and it's not very big. The walls are about from here to there apart, and you walk to the front and back, not much, and it's sod. It's just a place to live. It's just a place to lay your head. I could imagine it would be cold in winter. If too much water would get in, it would be muddy and ugly down there. And so we have no appreciation for the homes that we live in today. I just take it for granted. And I'm sure you do. I've been very fortunate. When I was raised, we already had oil in our house. We didn't burn wood. I remember my dad had this little stove and he had to pour oil into the back of that and it would burn. And then we finally got natural gas. What a blessing that natural gas was. You just set the thermostat and you leave it and you never have to worry and fiddle anymore. And so if you don't have the old to compare with the new, you find it hard to appreciate the things that you have. Today we want to examine three reasons for the new covenant, why it had to come. There were three reasons. And the first is this, the old covenant was incomplete. Verses 7 through 11, it was incomplete. It's not that it was broken. It wasn't broken. It was doing its purpose, but it was incomplete. Verse 7 says this, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with the glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading through it, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Wow, what a contrast. So what Paul is talking about in this portion of Scripture is is addressed in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 to 35. And what was that? If we would take a look, I'll give you a moment to look up Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 through 35. Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. This is, of course, talking about Moses as he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. When Moses, verse 29, Exodus chapter 34, starting at verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. Because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders and the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. "'Afterwards all the Israelites came near, "'and he gave them all the commandments "'the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. "'When Moses finished speaking to them, "'he put a veil over his face. "'But whenever he entered the Lord's presence "'to speak with him, he removed the veil "'until he came out.' And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back on his face until he went to speak with the Lord. Wow. As Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. God is holy, and the law represents God's righteousness, and anyone who came into the presence of God must be holy and separate from sin. They could not enter. They could not enter. The giving of the law was a glorious experience. One cannot be in the presence of God without being changed. You can't be in God's presence without having an effect on you without having an impact on you. And so it was with Moses. That is why Moses' face shone with the presence of the Lord. The more time one spends with God, the more one becomes like God and reflects his character. The closer you are, it's the amount of time that you spend with God. It's how much time you desire, because sometimes we think it is God's responsibility. Yes, God has his responsibility, but our responsibility is to draw near to him. It is our choice how much time we want to spend with God. And how we want to be impacted. However, although the giver of the law the, although the giving of the law was glorious, it also spelled death, because it only showed the requirements of what God demanded. But the law could not bring redemption, or in other words, it could not take away a person's sin. It was incapable. It was never designed to do that. It was glorious. It only showed who God was, his holiness and his righteousness, but it fell short. And it fell short because it wasn't designed to take away people's sin. So, Paul, however, pardon me, so Paul argues that the law that brought death was glorious, but how much more glorious was the Spirit? that brought life and that was to come when it was first announced verse 9 says this if the ministry that condemns men is glorious how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory and it and if What was fading away came with glory. How much better is the glory of that which lasts? Yes, the glory that was coming was the glory that would last, not only for today, but for all eternity. A thought-provoking concept about the law was that it could never save anyone. The best it could do was point out how much a person missed the mark. It almost made you feel guilty, because it did make you feel guilty, because you could never live up to it. It was impossible. And yet that's the standard because nobody can enter God's presence without being holy themselves, without being separate from sin because God is totally holy and totally righteous. The law was only a mirror displaying a person's faults and uh, uh, shortcomings. You look in the mirror and sometimes you're disappointed. Anybody look in the mirror in the morning and you're disappointed a little bit? I do. How many here have their pictures taken, who have their picture taken, and you're very disappointed with the image? You have a picture. Oh, don't put that one in there. I don't want that one. We know what that's like, yet the photographs don't lie. The only, they only display what we really look like. However, we always want our best side to show, yet there are times when pictures accurately display what we look like. They accurately show even though we don't like it. When my kids were little, we were taking pictures one day, and as we took pictures, we had them developed. I had my kids on my lap. My wife had gotten up, and she had snapped some pictures. I had snapped some pictures of her. When they came back, I was looking at it. And I said, oh, I said, to Cheryl, I, this picture isn't so good. It looks like I, I got a bald spot on the top. She says, you do. <laughs> because it's accurate. It shows what is there. And that's why we don't like to look at the law. Because we can't live up to it. We fail, and you feel guilty, and it's horrible. That is also true of the law of God. The only problem is that none of us can keep the commandments. Moses killed a man. David committed adultery and murder. The law did not save them. Instead, it condemned them because it proved to them and everyone else that they were guilty. That's why the old covenant was incomplete. It could not redeem people. It could not transform our lives. It could not change us. When I was young, my sister had a friend who had a car. It was a good car in that it could go forward and take you to your destination wherever you wanted. But the only problem was that this car didn't have a reverse gear in it. When she would pull up somewhere, guess what? She was stuck there. She'd put, have to put the car in neutral and then get out and push the car out so she could go somewhere. That was my sister's friend. I bet you she thought many times I should get a different car or I should get this fixed, and for some reason she didn't. I don't know what it was, but that car was not complete. It could take you somewhere, but there'd be times that you were not stuck, and hopefully when she was, pu- uh, she was pushing that car w- when it was in neutral, she wasn't on a slope that was rolling down too much because she could end up having a runaway car. That that car was inadequate in the same way the law based on the old covenant was incomplete. It only pointed out the people's sins and it condemned it. Through the law, everyone stood condemned and guilty because no one could keep it. It was and still is impossible to keep it perfectly no matter how hard we try today. And especially as we live in these bodies of sin and we have our attitudes and we have a heart still that wants to do things, that's why we have temptation. And temptation is real. If it wasn't, The scriptures wouldn't warn us about temptation, but it's real for each one of us because we would like to do some of the things that we know we shouldn't, and we have to depend upon God to stop us from doing those things. Now we come to the second reason for the new covenant was that the new covenant takes away the veil. Yes, the veil, verses twelve through fifteen. Let me reread that portion of scripture for you. Verses twelve through fifteen, the new covenant takes away the veil. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his who would put a veil over his face and keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull for, for to this day the same veil remains. When the old covenant is read, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses are read, a veil covers their heart. Wow! This veil, like the veil that Moses read. A veil covered their hearts. Paul was bold when it came to proclaiming the gospel of hope. Because Moses only had the law, Paul already had the new covenant. Paul could go with boldness. Paul, but Paul had had Jesus, as I said, who was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law because he brought redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus changed and transforms lives so that they can enter God's presence. We can enter God's presence because we have Christ. That's why we can come to God anytime in prayer. We can enter his presence. Moses knew the glory... uh, Moses knew the glory on his face was fading, so he would wear a veil so that people would not see it. They would not see his glory disappearing. From this, Paul draws an analogy that in the same way the veil prohibits people from seeing the glory of God, a veil of the old covenant blinds the people of his day and also of our day. If you try to look at the law and you try to obey it and you try to keep it, it's impossible. And without Christ, there is nothing. Only Christ can take away the veil that covers their heart. We must remember that the law was given twice. The law was given twice. The first time Moses came down from the mountain, he found the children of Israel breaking the first two commandments of the law. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods because they made the calf. And the second one, and you shall make no engraven image. So therefore, they were breaking two laws all by doing one thing. Moses' anger burned when he saw the people were doing wrong so he threw the stone tablets on which the law was written at the golden calf where they were worshiping his anger burned because what they were doing they were worshiping a false god as moses goes up to the mountain again to meet god he pleads for the mercy for the people because he knows they deserve death That is death. You go and worship someone else, it means death. Here, Moses is like a prototype of Christ. In that, Christ intervenes. In that, Christ is the intercessor. And Christ and Moses that day was like an intercessor. He was an intercessor between the people and God. Thus, the Lord intervened and grants them mercy. However, their mercy did not come from the law. It doesn't come from the law. It never will. An interesting thing happens to Moses the second time he comes into the presence of God. His face begins to shine because he has been in the presence of God. The only problem is that the longer he is away from the Lord, the more the glow of his face fades. Wow. You have to be there all the time, or you begin to grow dim. That is why he put the veil upon his head. Moses' face shone because he was experiencing the mercy of God during the law. We can only imagine how Moses' face shone because he was experiencing, or because he was in the presence of the Almighty. Wow, to think that. I wonder what it looked like. He came and literally there was a radiance, there was a light and people could see that. He would stand out and wherever he went, people's eyes would follow. We are all aware of the plastic keychains and toys that absorb light and shine in the dark. We've had those, haven't we? Isn't that aren't those interesting? You just put it under the light for five minutes, take it and put it in a dark room, and it just glows. How incredible that. Unfortunately, no one fully understands how that works. However, we know that these objects shine, they must be constantly put in light at regular intervals. They got to be put there all the time. The longer the objects are in the light, the brighter and the longer the glow, Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. The longer that they are away from the source, the more they fade. That is precisely what happened with Moses. Away from the Lord, now he would begin to fade. When he was with God, he would brighten up because he was in the presence of the Almighty. This is a direct parallel to the Christian life. The more time we spend with the Lord in prayer and reading His Word, the more we reflect the life of Jesus in all that we do. Going one week without prayer and reading His Word makes our light very weak and the glow goes down. So, likewise, going just one day without praying begins, and one day without praying and reading the word, makes us begin to be weak, even though we might not even realize it. We become weak, and God departs, and we don't even know. It's like Samson. Remember the story? His wife would tell him, Tell me your secret. He'd make up different stories. They would come, the Philistines, and then she would cry out, The Philistines are upon you. And he would get up and he would break ropes or whatever it was. And one day he told her the secret. And the secret was, If you cut my hair off, I will become like anyone else. And that's what she did as he lay on her lap and she cut off his hair and then she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he rose up, but his strength was gone. The fact is, he didn't even realize it. Could it be possible that our strength has gone spiritually because we haven't been spending time with God in his presence? And then we wonder, why our lives are the way that they are. It's because we haven't been spending time in His presence. Remember, it's up to you and me. It's up to. You. It all depends upon you and me. God's not going to whack us over the head and say, "Come. He draws us, but so many times we let other things get in the way. We let other things get away. Jesus said in Matthew 5, chapter, or Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And the secret, once again, is spending time with the Lord. How much time do you and I spend with the Lord? Is it a quick look at the Word, read one or two verses, think to yourself, which we've all done it, I have done it, oh, I don't have enough time, so you get in the car and you drive, and I'll just pray as I'm going along. Well, it's good to pray, but if you haven't had your time really with the Lord, you know that something is missing. You know that something is missing. Is different. We are no different, and we must stay close to the Lord so our lives will shine, that we will be a beacon. Now we come to the last point in the message. Three reasons for the new covenant. Number three, the new covenant brings freedom. The new covenant brings freedom. Verses 16 through 18, but whenever... Anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I like that. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom and we who have and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit in these last 3 verses Paul refers to the veil being taken away when a person turns to the Lord in other words Those who don't know Christ can't even understand it. Their eyes are blind. They have no idea what is being said or what is taking place. In order to make a decision, first of all, or once you make a decision, you then become conscious of what God has said. That's why if a person doesn't have the Lord spirit, he is not a Christian. You must have the Lord's spirit. However, the person who is a believer reflects the Lord's glory. The veil is taken away from the Christians from the Christian's eye, so that they can begin grasping who Christ is. And the longer that you walk with him, the more that you know him. And the more that you know him, the more that you understand him, and the closer you come to God. The Christian can see the scriptures, and life itself through different lenses because they know Christ as Lord. I believe there are two types of veils. The first veil is when we don't know Christ personally. That's the first veil. Unbelievers have a veil over their eyes, and in the future scriptures, I'm going to talk about a veil that blinds them, and only God the Holy Spirit can, per- can penetrate that veil and when these people have a veil, that's why you can talk to them and it'll be just like bouncing water off a duck's back. And they can't understand unless the Holy Spirit will pierce that. The first veil, as I said, is when the person doesn't know Christ personally. This stops them from comprehending the spiritual aspects of understanding God and the scriptures. In other words, they Are blind to what God wants. A person who does not know Christ is blind to God. Can he even hear God speak only if God is calling him? The second veil happens to be a believer's testimony when there is sin. The world cannot see Christ living in us when we allow unconfessed sin to take a foothold. Remember that we are called to be the light of the world, but we will not shine with sin in our lives. We just can't. We won't absorb the light. That's because sin keeps us away from praying and reading the word. We're on the road to becoming more like Christ each and every day. We must not let any veil or anything in our lives stop us from receiving what Christ wants to give us and for our lives to be able to reflect all that Christ wants us to be through his glory. I close with this thought. When others, people look at us, what do they see? What image do we project to our co-workers, our customers, our friends, our families, our neighbors, and our people that we run into each and every day? As Paul traveled through the Roman Empire cities, he always thought about how he would be perceived. But his biggest concern was whether observers would see Jesus in him. And that's the question that you and I have always got to be asking. Do others see Jesus in us, or do they see the world and the same way that they are living, do they see that in us? I pray that people will see Jesus in us, because we have been in God's presence each and every day, praying and reading the scriptures, drawing near, so that we radiate the love of Christ in everything that we do. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, as we pause before you to give you praise and thanks. More than anything, it's the amount of time that we give to you and that we come before you to worship and praise you every day through praying and through reading the scripture. I pray, Father you know what it's like for us. There are so many distractions, and we can go here and there, and we fail to spend the time with you, and yet we know in your presence there is joy. And when we come before you, you transform our lives each and every day, and you draw us close. I pray, Father, that we would make spending time with you a priority, the first priority of every day. Now, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us strength as we go through this week. Remind us that you need to be number one, and that's what our heart's desire is. Now we pray, give us the strength to do that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.